101.5 The Hawk. Hey there, it's Kareem Mosnell. Welcome to our weekly pop-up show. And this week, we're going improv style. What is improv? Well, it's a form of theater, uh, mostly or entirely unscripted, created spontaneously by performers responding in the moment to the offer they've received from the audience or uh, responding complete spontaneity with each other. It has been said that uh, not one of us goes through life with a script. Well, that's basically what improv is. An improv is also a place where, where grown-ups can act like children. We can make funny noises, uh, make absurd movements, create uh, absurd worlds, entirely created from our imagination. It's also a place where we build close friendships and a sense of connectedness which uh, so many of us are missing. Improv was perhaps most famously, uh, you know, shown to the world on shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway? But really, improv is something we all uh, can get involved in. And it can benefit you really no matter what you do in your life. Uh, whether it's thinking better on your feet, uh, responding to new and challenging situations, to be more creative, or just to have more fun. Uh, you're going to find that by going to an improv class. And uh, we have our very own improv headquarters right here in Hamilton, longtime place at the Staircase on Dundurn Street. And uh, I've connected with some of the most uh, fun and uh, interesting people there, including one of the teachers, Nancy Watt, uh, who not only teaches improv at, at the Staircase, but also uh, brings the power of improv to organizations schools, mental health and addiction centers, hospitals, uh, linking improv with uh, social and positive psychology. It's absolutely fascinating. You're going to hear from her very shortly uh, here on this improv pop-up hour on 101.5 The Hawk. But first, I, I want to give you, you know, a little example of, of what improv sounds like. All four of you, Ryan, Robin, and Wayne, are going to be acting on a film scene. Collins, the director. Here's your notes. Collins, the director, who keeps giving uh, the actors different notes on how to improve the scene. There's the notes. He hasn't seen these before. Uh, the scene you're acting out is uh, Ryan and Robin are two Italian chefs making pizzas when you notice unusually large rodents in the kitchen. Wayne enters later as the exterminator they've called to the scene. So I think he must have called them before. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> It's your damn brother from the circus again. What are you doing here, huh? I came to get rid of the big rats. Hey, that's a big guy, huh? I don't see that since last week when your uncle came. You hey, know. Come on with the dance, hey. Cut, 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 cut. I'm really having a hard time staying in character. I know you are. You don't have to tell me. I see better character development on the match game. That's 
Oh, Please. fine. Work hard. Work oh. hard. All right. You know what? Last night you didn't say that. <laughs> That's a little excerpt uh, from uh, an improv performance on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, starring very special guest. Did you recognize him? Yes, very special guest Robin Williams uh, on that one, along with uh, Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles. Oh, if only we could have so much fun, eh? All right, and uh, now to my interview with Nancy Watts. This is 101.5 The Hawk. Kareem Mosna with you and joining me here over Zoom, Second City Conservatory alumni who has worked with organizations, schools, uh, locally with mental health addiction centers and hospitals, making a difference using the power of improv. Nancy Watt joins me. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kareem. It's nice to be here. Thanks. So we connected through the staircase. Uh, I guess we could say Hamilton's improv hub. <laughs> it's true. It's Hamilton's arts incubator. The incubator. That's the official title. I love that. And, uh, and sometimes you come and you teach classes there as well. And, and what I really loved about when you, you come to teach there is uh, you also tie in the science uh, behind improv. So you know what? I, I would love if we could start this with a bit of uh, your brain on improv. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for going right there. Um, I do. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to the research and the evidence-based uh, uh, literature out there that substantiates why improv is a good idea. A good idea for our healthcare practitioners, a good idea to have the trial that's ongoing with the uh, St. Joseph's Youth Wellness Center to lower social anxiety symptomology, why it's a good idea for our MBA students to get them to listen and present better you know why what is it what is it about improv and tapping this spontaneity and an intuitive knowledge that rarely sees the light of day what is that and I'll tell you how I got this start after uh, after finishing at the uh, conservatory at Second City in Toronto I did both their uh, conservatory program in improv and comedy sketch writing and then I went over to Chicago's online TV and films uh, sketch writing which was a ton of fun as well I just kept getting more and more intrigued with the the process there was something very powerful happening on an improv stage and I needed to delve into the the pedagogy of that you know the science of how we learn and and consequently how we should teach and I would go to the research and I would look in the journals and I would read these academic papers and I got to tell you when I read an academic paper sometimes it is annoying and it it, I, I, it pisses me off to be frank because it is written in such a way that is not easily accessible and I think I'm relatively intelligent and I shouldn't have to read something four times to understand it and so you know, then you read some of the research in the self-help section or the airport library, and a lot of that is pap, you know, and, and it sounds like every line is an advertisement to keep writing, and, and what the research there is, it is not valid. And so I think there is a middle ground. I think there is a middle ground for people to experience really what the research is saying, but to understand it in a way that is experiential. And uh, as most people know, the best way to learn something is by experiencing it. And so what I love to do is take a lot of the research from the field of positive psychology and 
explain that research using specific improv exercises that explain what the researchers are talking about when they talk about mindset. You know, Carol Dweck's famous work from uh, Stanford, you know, changing, having the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Or Adam Grant, a great researcher out of Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania, he studies human reciprocity. You know, when we give, when we don't, why we do, why we don't, you know, um, the uh, founder of the positive psychology movement, one of our early founders is a man named Martin Seligman, and he is the past president of the American Psychological Association, and he did a lot of work in learned optimism learned optimism and and he really founded the new definition of well-being and there is an acronym called perma perma and perma stands for positivity engagement relationships meaning and our achievement our accomplishments and all of these you know these five pieces of the pie make up not just you know who we are, but optimal human functioning, how we flourish. And it is my contention that the science of improv, you know, the, the, the experience of being deeply in the moment of co-creating with another, of learning differently, of listening, being in a state of active listening, um, builds, builds optimal human functioning. You know, we learn so much about ourselves and each other. And, you know, it's like, as I said to a bunch of, uh, I was working with some scientists in Princeton at one time, and I said, it's like a laboratory where you get to experiment with different states of being. And as it turns out, that's really good for us. And you, I know you've done improv. That's how we met, Kareem. We met at the staircase doing improv together. I don't get back there to uh, teach as much as I'd like, but I, I love, I love Hamilton's arts resurgence, and I love how you know art is the new steel, as we like to say. You know how how the intervention of art came and was introduced to our. Uh, medical community a little bit, you know? And I also love how you brought up um, Martin Seligman. And as I, I took uh, his online course a couple of years back, Did you? Um, the foundations of positive psychology. And mm -hmm. uh, I absolutely loved it, uh, that and the social psychology course available on there. And, uh, and what of course really interests me in talking to you is that uh, all of this and improv, uh, it all connects so seamlessly. And yeah, and you know what I'd like to do, actually, before we go any further into all the psych psychology and all that, I'd like, for those that might be listening, that might maybe think, oh, okay, I think I've heard of improv. What is it exactly? <laughs> I, I, I'd like to maybe just dive into some of the basics of it and maybe a little demonstration. So, yeah, let's talk about the yes and uh, principle. Perfect. So... Indeed. I mean, improv, what is improv? You know, a lot of people think of it as stand up or comedy and, and you know, just laughter, but there is something uh, definitely more going on. 
the um, as Kareem said, you know, yes and is indeed the number one rule in improv. Yes and means that when you and I are on stage together, I accept the reality that has been created. I accept your idea. You know, for those who have been to an improv show before, you know that there is no uh, set design, no props, no costumes. You know, we are we are making our environment. Um, and so we accept that. We accept that. To, to not do so is called a block. We, we don't block each other's players. You know, if Kareem comes on and he says, you know, whoa, look at the dark clouds. It's totally, it's definitely going to rain today. I do not negate that. I say, no, it's not. Or, you know, I, I, I don't do that. That the scene eh, 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 goes south real quick. You know, I say, yes. I not only say yes, I say yes, and neither one of us brought an umbrella, and away we go in the scene. Interestingly, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to like the idea that is presented, but I have to accept it. And I know that might seem seemingly uh, simplistic to some of your listeners, but I guarantee you it's not. You know, part of why where communication breaks down is by not accepting the reality of the other and could possibly be argued that that's why we're so politically polarized right now but that's a whole other half hour Kareem like this yes <laughs> and yes and means that we accept the reality of the other and and you know sometimes I like to drill down yes and to talk about how yes gives us a certain feeling of vulnerability like when I'm on stage with you I don't know what what, what reality you're going to create all I know is that as a as an improviser I'm going to accept it so there's a little dose of vulnerability by saying yes by saying yes saying and means when I heighten or advance the scene I contribute then that is a feeling of empowerment, you know? And so this vulnerability, empowerment, vulnerability, empowerment, you know, it builds resiliency. And that's what, you know, resiliency, as lots of our researchers know, is pretty much basically a muscle, a muscle that needs to be flexed. In order to build resiliency, we need to fall down. And my God, we do that in improv all the time. We learn to fail and we reframe failure not as a mistake, but as a, as a revelation, you know, as Tina Fey famously says, there are no mistakes, just revelations. You know, when, when we think about it, improv is not a thing. It is not a thing. It is not a tangible thing. Improv is a way. It is a way of thinking. It is a way of responding to another, you know. Um, I often say to the workshops that I uh, conduct, Improv gives us that skill, that power, that strength to be able to respond versus react. And I tell you, the difference between a reaction and a response is huge, is huge, you know. So um, that's part of what, that's a little bit of what the yes and is when we talk about it being the foundation principle of improv. I just love how you also brought up the idea that, that there are no mistakes. I think a lot of people, um, you know, it's kind of a universal thing that, you know, we, we worry about screwing up and people are going to be watching us perform and we're going to mess up, but there is no messing up in improv. And then that's, I think, you know, as soon as you start coming out to improv classes and workshops, you learn that is that you really can't do anything wrong per se. Isn't that so true? Thank you for that. <laughs> you know, our improv workshops uh, at the staircase and in the uh, the ones that I hold with with the company are 
full of interesting people who have uh, met all of us have that nasty little uh, inner critic. You know, it's a it's a an editor in our head. Uh, the owner of the staircase likes to call it a headeter, and it's that voice that says, "Ah, oh, don't screw up, don't fail." And let me tell you, there is uh, there is a researcher out of Berkeley. His name is Dr. Charles Lim, and he studied people. He gave them fMRI, functional MRI tests of individuals who are in a creative state, who are improvising. And what he found intrigued me. He found that the part of the brain that is suppressed when we improvise, when we create, we are suppressing the lateral prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that is responsible for, among other things, uh, self-guardedness, you know, that self-monitoring, that part in the brain that says, oh, but better not, too risky. That is suppressed when we play, when we create, when we are in a state of improvising. What lights up is the part of the brain that's called the medial prefrontal cortex. The medial prefrontal cortex is responsible for self-expression, self-expression, which is closely aligned to feelings of freedom. You know, when I did this work, when I, I've done it with individuals who are incarcerated, I've done it with people who are inpatient psychiatry, you know, and if we can elicit a feeling of freedom, it has meaningful irony, you know, and um, improv, there's a great uh, pioneer in improv named Keith Johnstone, and I love what you said about failure, Kareem, because he said, you know, referring to Yes and, he said, with yes, we are rewarded with the adventure that we will take. With no, we are rewarded with the security we attain. And I tell you, there's a lot of us that needs to need that security, but there is so much more to be had with the adventure of saying yes. You know, the, I, I often say that, you know, this pushes you out of the comfort zone and, and it should. That is the point, because at the end of the day, the result is a bigger comfort zone, right? Pushing ourselves where we need to be uncomfortable is a really good idea. Um, I often feel like when I'm asked about this, I often feel like I need to give um, a shout out to the mother of improv. She is a woman named Viola Spolin. She was an immigrant and came to America at the turn of the last century. <clears throat> and she was, she was an actress and an author, but Viola Spolin was a social worker. And she worked for an organization, a social agency in Chicago that dealt with immigrant children. And she quickly saw the difficulty that immigrant children were having with the, the whole experience, you know, with the language and the acculturation, all of that. And, and so together with another woman, the famous activist feminist, Neva Boyd, these two women made up these games, these connecting games, theater, communication games that transcended age, gender, ethnicity, whatever. They were these games and it was wildly successful. It was, it was wonderful to be able to play and be spontaneous and it really helped these families. And, you know, long story short, later on, Viola Spolin was to have a son. His name is Paul Sills. Paul Sills founded... Uh, an organization called the Compass Players, the first improv group, and Compass Players became the second city in Chicago. And Paul Sills just took all of the games and activities of his mother and made it into the art form and entertainment that we know today. But at its root, 
you know, the very nucleus of what we do in improv is about building connection. It is, it is the work of a, of a social worker in Chicago who needed to help children connect in a way and, and in a very real way. That is exactly what we continue to do today here in Hamilton with the St. Joe's social anxiety trial. We have improv in the medical school teaching our, the, in the residency program and teaching healthcare um, practitioners, you know, empathy in a different way, different listening. And, you know, we do it uh, in engineering all the time. We're heavily in STEM, you know, it's amazing how the contagion of building connection is what uh, is what this does. And it's also interesting that it's exactly what we need right now. Exactly. And, you know, going through an improv class, uh, you know, there, there's always that, there's that sense of connection that we build throughout it, that by the time that we're done the class, there's just, everybody's, you know, in a different kind of, um, different frame. Everybody's connecting with each other. Everybody's talking to each other. There, there's a, a different buzz that it almost creates uh, as the class goes. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so great. The buzz that the class yeah. <laughs> I love that. That should be like a, that, that should be like an improv slogan. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. So what is that? Like that, that intrigues me, Kareem, you know, about four years ago, someone called me a pracademic and it seems to have stuck because despite the fact that I can really geek out on some of the social psychology and the, and, and the neurobiology as to what is happening when humans connect, you know, it only makes sense to me. I only want to understand it experientially. I want to practically apply what the academic research does. And, you know, you have experienced this. We have experienced this, that at the end of an improv workshop, we are connected. We just feel a part of, and there is a great sense of belonging. And I remember being at a grand rounds at St. Joe's years ago, when there was some visiting professor psychiatrist. And I remember how he said, more than a need to be loved is a human being's need to belong. And even, you know, in the research and in the poetry and, and, and the, the academics talk about, you know, they use, when they talk about love, they talk, they use belonging words, as do our artists and poets, you know, and I think that's what, that's what an ensemble does, you know, when I do, when I do corporate team building and all of those gigs, which I love and are total, a, a lot of fun, I just take the, um, I take the principles of building an ensemble, you know, Viola, Viola Spolin once said the, the rules of the theater, the techniques of the theater are the techniques of communicating. And, and that is true in order to communicate well, we need to be heard. We need to be heard. Um, and that is what, that is what improv does. I know that you're going to take my idea and accept it. You're going to hear it. And my job as an improviser is to make you look good. You know, yes and is the first rule of improv and make your partner look good is the second, you know? And so I'll tell you, you know, a bit of a secret. I think why I think lowering social anxiety disorder is so effective by putting uh, some of our youth through the, uh, through improv is that because they are concerned with the other, there's not really the time, energy, or inclination to worry about ourselves. You know, the focus is on the other. 
And yet at the same time, we're tapping uh, a spontaneity with our, within ourselves and are delighted with what our intuitive knowledge comes up, you know, what it comes up with. And that's just a very cool aspect as well. So I love the fact that you bring up, you know, the belonging and the, the buzz, the improv buzz. That's so true. Uh, what was some of the, the response that you got, you know, when, when you um, started to bring uh, improv into, you know, the mental health, into hospitals? So what was the response? Yeah. Um, initial reticence for sure. You know, I mean, these are, um, and yet, I mean, we are very blessed that, McMaster has individuals who are innovative in their thinking and they are willing to experiment with different ways of learning, you know, and uh, that is what, uh, and that is what improv does. So despite the fact that there was initial reticence, which is totally understandable. I mean, I get that whether I'm dealing with physicists or engineers or, uh, you know, the medical community or legal societies, for sure. I did a, I did an improv workshop with a group of judges in Indianapolis. And I tell you, I've never seen such a, I felt like I was cross-examined before we could <laughs> before we could start right and i and and that's okay that's okay because bring it bring it the more unconventional an environment the more unconventional a venue i can do this the better i like it and luckily for us we now have enough uh research to substantiate and be able to make a pretty good argument as to why this is a good idea and you know it's like i i can't tell someone to learn how to ski out of a textbook, right? They, they have to experience it. And so the nice thing about teaching improv is that it tends to start a cascade and a word of mouth, you know, Hey, guess what? In, you know, the, uh, psychiatric residency program nancy watt did improv did you hear about this and then it then it tends to you know get into the next department and um and that's how that works and you know i don't know i'm not very good on social media i i'll i'll share but i, I every job that i've had just tends to lead to the next job and that's mm. I guess that's just okay, right? And luckily now with, with COVID, we uh, we have some online programs that thank God the improv, uh, some improv exercises are translating uh, online pretty well. Which is exactly, uh, you know, how now uh, the Staircase has been offering their classes. Yeah. Um, over Zoom like this. And uh, I guess that speaks again to the... Um, to the resiliency of improv. Is it, doesn't it though? Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I belong to an organization, the Applied Improv Network, which is a global group of uh, applied improv facilitators. And um, I mean, we thought that, I mean, initially when the, when uh, the world stopped in mid-March, we thought, oh my God, I mean, how are we going to continue to do this, right? But what a fascinating pivot. What a fascinating pivot. We're doing, uh, we're now doing workshops with virtual reality and my groups are, you know, 
creating cool avatars for themselves and we're doing uh, we're doing improv in virtual reality we're doing it via zoom we're doing it with the lightboard technology that I shared with you earlier where I can you know we can write and and the viewer can watch me uh, and I don't have to turn my back to the viewer and we can have that we can use the lightboard as a bit of a yes and uh, part of our uh, part of our workshop it's um, adaptability man adaptability is fascinating to watch you know and there's some actually I'm, I, I am also doing a, a some interesting work with Western with the human ingenuity research group and uh, we're looking at AQ the adaptability quotient we all know IQ and for about 20 years EQ emotional quotient has been embedded in organizational development programs and you know we are learning to appreciate what it means to have uh, you know emotional intelligence but now there's lots of uh, researchers talking about adaptability quotient you know mentally pivot be able to uh, adapt and uh, and respond yeah and these are all skills that um that improv builds. Absolutely. That's right. Lucky for us. It is fantastic, fascinating training ground, training ground. Nobody learns anything until they're a little bit uncomfortable. And yet everything that you've shared as well, the sense of belonging and the buzz and the, and the, and the creativity that improv uh, delivers, it's a really good playground to learn, you know, yeah, it's, I'm, I feel very, um, I feel very blessed to use that word. I'm not usually, I don't usually use that word, but I feel buzzed. I feel <laughs> charged. I feel very lucky to be able to deliver both the research and the practical application of a life that is full of yes and. Yes and is a way of life. Yes and uh, is accepting the reality, life on life's terms, accepting that and putting my voice, putting my foot forward. You know, I, I have a program called HAPPY, H-A-P-P-I-E. HAPPY stands for How to Apply Positive Psychology Improv Exercises. And I get contacted by people, mostly educators, but also, you know, uh, healthcare practitioners or the, the corporate sector. And they'll say, okay, we need something for, you know, creativity or brainstorming or communication or collaboration or the differences in gender uh, communication or, or why isn't our inclusion program working and all of that stuff. And so I'll take the research and I'll apply improv pracademic type exercises to be able to elucidate exactly what's going on and how lucky am I how lucky am I to have landed on such a, a wonderful combination of the two worlds of positive psychology and improvisational theater it it really appeals to my um, curiosity from the academic side and the need to create you know I believe those two things creativity and curiosity are deeply aligned with a, a human being's well-being at least it is for me and I know that it's affected many others 
you included. I loved I, I loved how you were able to dub so well the other day online on our workshop. I mean, dubbing is a classic improv game where, you know, somebody mouths the words and the other person dubs in what they're saying. And, you know, for our listeners, this is fascinating. You have to watch the body language and the intonation and the countenance, the facial expressions, everything. And they, they are deeply aligned. And it's awesome to watch how closely people can get in sync when they are connected when they are deeply connected you're really good at that game oh thank you and and, and that's really you know with a lot of the warm-ups before we even get into you know the, the the sketches and the scenes and all that it's a lot of that we the mirroring activity and, and like you yeah. said the, the dubbing the gibberish <laughs> all that yeah. stuff leads us right in as a matter of fact uh, before we wrap up this interview I, i'd love if we could do some basic improv just to so people can experience it over the radio Oh my God, yes. How can okay. we talk about it and not do it? I wish this was live so we could have a call in, so we could have listeners calling in and continuing to do it. But we'll, we'll That would be a this. fascinating concept. Maybe one right? day, once we can all get back in the studio, maybe we'll try and arrange something. That'd be, that'd be, oh that'd my be God, so I'd much fun. It. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we need an offer. <laughs> okay, where we need an offer from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look around you, or tell me what you had for. Uh, tell me what you've had for breakfast this morning, Kareem. I had a Nutella and cheese uh, ricotta cheese sandwich. Oh my god! Did you yeah. really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, for our listener audience, that's what we do, right? We get an offer. We just, you know, get something that is the inspiration for the, uh, for the scene and an easy warm up that you can do for your students in your class or your company team or even around the dinner table. Have a simple yes and conversation, you know? So um, if Kareem starts off with that, get, tell me, you know, just tell me again what that uh oh tell me what you had for breakfast cream say that again yes a nutella and ricotta cheese sandwich yes and i think i just saw that recipe on epicurious.com is that where you got that oh yes and um i i just was so infatuated with this with this idea and i just had to try it yes and I never knew that there was such a great alternative to use ricotta cheese. Who knew? You are always trying the adventurous. You you have such an incredible palate. You will try anything. Yes, and I I I'm I'm feeling that maybe we can uh, we can really start you know a, a whole uh, you know breakfast <laughs> business around this. I I just. <gasps> This can be our specialty, you know, different ways of using ricotta cheese. Oh, my God. That's a great idea. I love it. Uh, Nutella ricotta, uh, ricotta nuts. No, no, not that. Nutella ricotta. No, no. We could totally <laughs> riff on that. <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and, you know, may I share with you quickly that um, we were at a, I was at doing a, a brainstorming with a college and uh, we do this product innovation improv exercise where we take two words from two different uh, lines of thought and then we bring them together and we play the advertising game where people have three minutes, three minutes to come up with a new product, a tagline, the customer, the market, and they, and they come up and it is 
so much fun. Oh my God, there's so much fun. There's a board game called Snake Oil that this was uh, that this was taken off of, or at least that's where I got it. And um, and it's ridiculous fun. It's a great uh, it's a great at home or you know uh, team generating idea, you know, team team building idea to for your listeners as well. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, ending. Yes, ending is a way. It is a way. Um, we don't say yes, but we say yes, and. But is like a social speed bump. You know, it. Uh, people have a very difficult time listening after the word but. So, uh, for our listeners today, I, I dare you. I double dare you to try to say yes and have a yes and conversation see what happens you know it works really well with teenagers it works really well with family and marriages with teams you know take an idea that someone says and instead of saying but say yes and and build on their idea and watch what happens i guarantee you that a different result will will occur Yes, and uh, earlier on Monday, um, uh, you, you, you used that very principle and you explained how it makes the difference between, you know, a great organization and, you know, maybe one that, that, that doesn't uh, uh, go to its full potential. So true. So true. Good to great. All of the research, the, uh, the um, you know, mitigated risks, but open to ideas. You know, leaders... Um, the great leaders lead because they build other leaders, you know, not followers. And they don't build even, you know, they, they build on the ideas of their people and they have um, an ambitious and altruistic goal of building within their team, future leaders. And in order to do that, and is a powerful word, but stops people in their tracks, you know, it's true. It is, it is really the difference between um, a successful organization, uh, an engaged classroom. I mean, the, the educators that I work with talk about, you know, this concept of effective gain, you know, effective gain, which is basically just an emotional willingness to learn. And any grade four teacher worth her salt knows that that student is not going to not going to learn math if he doesn't think he can learn math. You know, it is that willingness, that willingness to try and having an engaged and open and yes and mentality in the classroom invites that engagement, invites that effective gain and that willingness to try. Improv takes courage for sure. And we are rewarded tenfold with that courage by being delighted in what already existed within us. You know, it taps that intuitive knowledge and creativity that I swear just is aching to come out. You know, curiosity and creativity are our cousins, I like to say, and they, they complement each other on an improv stage really well. Oh, my God, this has been like the fastest 40 minutes of my week. I've had like so much coffee this morning and I know that I've been really chatty, but I've, uh, I love, I love what I do for a living and I love the opportunity to, uh, to talk about it and to share and to yes. And, you know, 
I mean, look what the world is going through right now. An absolutely unprecedented, if you'll excuse that overused word. You know, the, this, the global pandemic is something that the entire world is experiencing. There is a commonality there that is deeply affecting and, and other people are, and some people are doing well and others are not, you know, and we need to accept why they are not doing well and, and to be able to reach out and connect with them and lift another is a very powerful experience. You know, it is good for both. It is good for both and in a very small way. I mean, I am not a frontline worker. I am not in the trenches as many of our, uh, many others are. But I feel like in a very small way, I can contribute to the betterment. I can contribute by helping others connect. You know, I remember years ago, I've worked with, uh, I've been on the Quality Council at St. Joseph's Healthcare since 2012. And I remember sitting with someone in emergency psychiatry. We were waiting to get her um, assessed. And a psychiatric nurse came to us and she said, you know, it's my, it, she shared with us that it was her opinion that every form of mental illness is the result of disconnection. Disconnection. And I would... And I would suppose that, you know, there's a lot of that in the world today, too. Improv, as you and I know, because you and I do it, is all about building connection, is all about feeling that belongingness and the, and the yes and experience. And something that I think Viola Spolin, back at the turn of the last century, was really on to. And it is a social contagion that that I hope continues. It will continue because we are humans and we need, we need to connect. Thank you. Thank you. That was so wonderfully said. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for this invitation. I love the opportunities to, to do this and to be on podcasts and just share what I know. I am deeply grateful to Second City and um, the, the Martin Seligman and all of the researchers who are deeply invested and and are committed to continuing to research this. Everyone from Barbara, Barbara Fredericton and Adam Grant and and Brene Brown and uh, oh my God Jonathan Haidt, who is the moral reasoning. His research is what really got me into positive psychology. I'm going down a bad road right here because I'm going to forget people that I wish I had said. But suffice to say that the the world of positive psychology and the theatrical world of improvisation, um, you know, I feel very lucky to uh, to weave them together with happy how to apply positive psychology improv exercises. Which, which came first for you, the improv or the psychology? Oh, my God, what a great question. I don't think I've ever had that one. Um, okay, so, well, goodness, kind of both. I mean, um, I used to, uh, after I stopped working at a, at a large company and I was home raising children, I got back into acting, something I used to, to do years ago. And I did some music videos and half a dozen commercials. And in these auditions, I, they said, okay, now improvise something. And I thought, oh, geez, I need training in that. I need to do improv. And so when my children were 
asleep in their beds at night. I used to, like a thief in the night, hop on the GO train and go to Second City drop-in classes and and improv changed my life. And I, and that turns out I was pretty good at it. And then I auditioned for the conservatory and I got into that. And then I did the, got started writing and then I got into the conservatory writing and it just sort of snowballed from there. But very quickly, early in improv, I was intrigued by what was going on. So I guess improv came first. Improv definitely came first, but it was the, I was experiencing what I was to later find in the field of positive psychology. And it is that everything that you've said, I found the buzz, I found the connection, I found the belonging, I found the reciprocity, I found the listening, I found the, you know, the fundamentals of building relationships. I found, you know, the, 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 harsh and necessary experience of counteracting some cognitive distortions in my own head, you know, cognitive distortions are those stories that we tell ourselves that, you know, may or may not be true. You know, it's, it's amazing how when you play with different characters, how some truths come out and um, it is, and it's really good for us. Our past CEO of uh, St. Joseph's Healthcare, David Higgins, was a real champion. He was a wonderful, and he still is. He, he really liked the work that was going on at St. Joseph's Youth Wellness Center with our ongoing online improv, uh, improv you know, connection deficit disorder, which is what they called themselves, a name that I love. But when this first started out in 2016, he really, he really liked it. And he, I remember him saying, this is not therapy, but it, it's definitely therapeutic. And I, I suppose that might be true. You know, I'm not a therapist. I don't do that. But I, but I love and I'm humbled to see the connection that we get to build as a result of simply playing different characters on stage. Thanks. And, and, and for those that would love to, um, you know, give this a try while, you know, we're, we're in this, uh, this phase and beyond, um, people can simply, you know, come and try it out with the staircase, uh, just simply by, you can find the link to join Monday and Wednesday evenings at seven, uh, classes run. Uh, are, are you going to be teaching some classes with the staircase going forth as well? I think so. When I can, I've got, um, Wednesdays, I have an ongoing commitment uh, with a different organization that I do some improv with, but others, I, um, I would hope to. I would hope to. Staircase is a great place. And um, they also have some curbside food going on right now. Please support our staircase and the arts community. Hamilton has worked very hard as a city to have this arts resurgence and all of our musicians and theater and restaurants need our help. Um, and if you're looking for something specific or customized, I'm, I'm happy to help too. Um, Nancy Watt Communications is where um, is the creative agency that I that I run and we do writing and improv and training and speaking and uh, yeah Mondays and so whenever I can I'll be teaching in the future Kareem. Awesome and, and of course other times we have uh, uh, Adriana and Hugh uh, who also lead an extremely fun and, and engaging class as well so. They sure do. Great. Well, uh, Nancy, thank you so much uh, for joining me this morning. Thank you. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. We'll see you soon online. And uh, I hope more of your listeners do too.
Absolutely. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity, Kareem. You have a great day. You too.